Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, let's revisit some of the verses from this morning and watch me. I'm going to press my pause button and unpause it and we'll just continue in what the Lord was imparting to us this morning through his word and just to revisit some of the territory we've already covered. Let's go back to Jeremiah 17 and look at verses five through eight. Jeremiah 17 shows us a picture of two different people. And one of these people, one is trusting in the natural ability of man, trusting in either themselves or someone else. It says in verse 5, Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm and whose heart departs from the Lord. So those are connected. If that person is trusting in themselves or trusting in someone to save them, to rescue them, to meet their needs, they are departing from the Lord. There's a separation. They're not rooted the way they should be rooted. They're not connected to God the way they should be connected because they're trusting in themselves or trusting in their ability or someone else's ability to help them, save them, rescue them. And he said that person will be like the heath, or when we found out that word meant shrub, like the heath or the bush or the shrub in the desert, that they shall not see when good comes. But they will inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabited. So that person has their root system very shallow and they're not reaching any water. They're limited and because of that limitation, why? Because there's only so much people can do. There's only so much we can do for ourselves and so much others can do for us. Their ability is limited. And so they don't have the ability to flourish or to thrive. But it says in verse 7, Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, not in your own ability, not in someone else to save you, to provide for you, to rescue you, but you're trusting in the Lord and you're hoping in him. Verse 8, he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes. The Amplified said, shall not see and fear when heat comes. So the person who is trusting in the Lord, even when they see that heat is coming 
it's not going to produce in them the response that it would produce in the person who doesn't have the root system. It says that we'll be like people who are planted by a supply. We have our roots in a provision and a supply. How? By trusting in the Lord. By trusting in the Lord. So the Amplified said, they shall not see and fear when heat comes. And then it goes on and it says, they shall not be anxious or full of care. They will not fear and they will not be anxious or full of care by what's going on around them. Why? Because they're trusting in the Lord and that trust connects them to God's supply. The Good News Translation says that we will not be afraid when hot weather comes, that we have no worries when there is no rain. No worries. The Living Bible says we're not bothered by the heat nor worried by long months of drought. So that would include whatever change in the gas prices there might be, whatever increase there might be in the groceries. Hallelujah. I heard Charles Capps talking about uh, a, a conversation that Oral Roberts had with his wife, Evelyn Roberts. Evelyn Roberts said, Oral, the price of bacon has gone up to $3.84, I think, something like that, she said. And, and so I don't, I don't think we're going to buy any bacon this week. He said, woman, the same God who supplied dollar bacon supplies the $3.84 bacon, go buy bacon. Amen? Why? Because we're not trusting in the circumstance or the situation. We're trusting in the Lord. The Wycliffe translation says, it's, that person shall not dread when heat shall come and shall not be moved in the time of drought. So notice we're seeing a lot of specific things that we are going to be exempt from just because we're trusting in the Lord. We're going to be exempt from the fear. We're going to be exempt from the anxiety. We're going to be exempt from carrying care. We're going to be exempt from worry. We're going to be exempt from being moved or even dreading. Hallelujah. And then my favorite is the message translation of Jeremiah 17 and verse 8. It says, never a worry. Never a worry through the hottest of summers. Amen. Hallelujah. Never a worry through the hottest of summers. Never dropping a leaf. Serene and calm through droughts, bearing fresh fruit every season. Hallelujah. Why? No matter what's going on around me, I have a supply. I have roots down into the supply of God, and my root system is my trust in the Lord. I'm trusting in Him. We saw from Psalm 112, verse 7, that the righteous person will not fear evil tidings, will not fear evil tidings because their heart is fixed. What are they doing? Trusting in the Lord. They won't fear. Why won't they fear? Because they've already rooted their heart. They've already connected or fixed or positioned their heart in an immovable, in an immovable connection, an unbreakable connection. I'm trusting in the Lord. 
I'm trusting in the Lord. So I'm not, I might hear the evil tidings, but I won't be moved by them. The Amplified says they will not fear bad news. The Expanded Bible says they, they won't be afraid of bad news. They won't be afraid to hear evil because their hearts are steady. The Living Bible says he does not fear bad news nor live in dread of what may happen. Say that out of your mouth. I do not dread what may happen. Hallelujah. This is you and I, this is our objective. This is what we're working for. That we're, we're giving our attention to the word of God because we see this should be our response. And it's not automatic just because you own a Bible. It's not automatic just because you're saved and come to faith builders. You've got to choose to trust God and not respond in the way that a person who does not trust God would respond. And so it takes a little bit of practice. Then Isaiah 8, we saw in Isaiah chapter 8 that the Lord gave a strong instruction. And I'm going to read verse 11 from the Amplified. The Lord spoke this to me with a strong hand upon me and warned me and instructed me. He warned me and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people. And then he tells us exactly what they were saying and doing. But I want to go back to that phrase, walk, because whenever we see the word walk, it's talking about our daily life, our daily behavior, how we live every day. So do not let your everyday behavior or, or response be like this. And I'll go even a step further with the New Living Translation. It says, the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. Not to think like everyone else does. He's given me a strong warning. Why? I know some things they don't know. I know someone they might not know. Amen? And the more I know about him, the more I should walk in the light of what I know. When I know he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, when I know he is an ever-present help in time of trouble, when I know he is uh, 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 faithful to his covenant, then I'm going to act like I know that. I'm going to act like I'm going to walk in line with what I know about him. How, how uh, dishonoring it would be for me to fall apart and act like he's not a covenant-keeping God. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I don't know if God's going to come through for me or not. No, wait a minute. That would be like me saying about my husband, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if he's going to, if he's going to be faithful to me or not. I don't know. Wait, how dishonoring would that be for him to hear me say something like that? Right? I know him. I know his character. I know who he is. So I'm going to walk in light of that. And the same is true about our God. So don't think like they think. Don't act. The, the CEV, complete English version, says, 
The Lord took hold of me with his powerful hand and said, I'm warning you, don't act like these people. He he took hold of me with his powerful hand and said, I'm warning you, don't act like these people. So verse 12, and I'm going to revert back to the amplified here. Verse 12, he said, don't act like these people saying, don't walk in the way of this people saying, do not call conspiracy or hard or holy what these people call conspiracy or hard or holy. Neither be in fear of what they fear. Don't be in fear of what they fear. Hallelujah. So other people might respond in fear, but I'm not authorized to respond that way. I'm not at liberty to act that way. I know something that puts me in a different response category. I know someone, and I know his relationship to me authorizes me to walk in a different response, to to think differently about that situation. Hallelujah. And so he says, don't fear what they fear. Hallelujah. And then uh, Psalm 94, 13, I'm going through each of these because none of these are scriptures that we use enough to say we're very familiar with them. So we need to become familiar with them, right? So Psalm 94, 13, uh, we, we saw uh, in, the, in the King James, it let me turn to it and read it exactly here. That you may give him rest from the days of adversity. That you may give him rest from the days of adversity. But we went to the Amplified to get a little bit more understanding of the Hebrew meanings of some of these words. And we found out that it means that you may give him power to keep himself calm in the days of adversity. Where does that power come from? Trusting in God. Knowing him by his word. That's how we trust. Now listen, trust is something developed. It's a choice you make, but the strength of your trust comes as you walk with God. As you know him by his word, you gain this this momentum or this strength in this relationship of trust. And this is why we're letting the word of God bring an emphasis to us of what trusting is going to do for us. Trusting is going to anchor us. It's going to root us. It's going to cause us to rise above and ride above the storm and the difficulty. Why? Because I'm in him and I'm moving in him, and I'm responding in him, and I'm relating to my situation not as a victim, but as a person in Christ. I'm relating to that situation not as someone who is vulnerable, but someone who is kept by a covenant-keeping God, someone who is a blood-covered person, someone who is a a blood-washed saint, someone who is is uh, seated together with Christ in heavenly places. And if we relate to the situation any other way, it will take advantage of that lack of knowledge. 
the enemy will recognize they don't know who they are. And, and will, he, will, he will put things on that person that they don't have to put up with, but because they lack knowledge and because they are not choosing to trust in the Lord and to resist that, they may end up with things in their life that they're dealing with that they don't have to deal with them. They don't have to allow them. They don't have to permit it. But because they lack knowledge and because they're not making that choice of trusting in the Lord and rising above that and, and dominating it, then they are, are just yielding and, and acting like someone who doesn't have a covenant with God. So the Message Bible, it says this of that same verse in Psalm 94, How blessed is the man you train, God, the man God trains, the woman you instruct in your word. How blessed that person is, providing a circle of quiet within the clamor of evil. We live in a world that is under the curse, but we're not subject to the curse. When the curse comes trespassing, we do not permit it to have any activity on our finances, on our physical body. We begin to walk in a way that brings the, the dominion of God into our situation, the dominion of Jesus' name into our situation, and we establish the will of God in our family, in our finances, in our health. We establish the will of God... This is what God has provided for this house. This is what God has provided for this marriage. This is what God has provided for these finances. And I, I execute and manifest the will of God by believing, by laying hold, by my declaration, by my resisting of the curse. Hallelujah. And so for us to... Walk in this, we need to realize there is a way of response and fear is not permitted in any response. Now, our pastor wrote the book, Fear Free Living. Do you have that book? The subtitle is Never Be Afraid Another Day in Your Life. Never be afraid another day. In your, can you do that? Absolutely you can do that. You can live the rest of your days on this earth without fear in any way, shape, or form operating in your life. But it's not automatic. You're going to have to practice it. You're going to have to practice fear-free living. Now I'll tell you what else our pastor wrote. Our pastor wrote the book, Refusing the Care. And they're connected. So we need to realize why the Lord gave our pastor those two messages. They actually started as sermons that he preached that came with such a force and such an emphasis when he preached them that we knew we needed to turn them into a book so that we could have it on hand to pull out and underline and put it to practice in our life. So we need to take advantage. We, you and I, we should be some of the most well-versed, well-skilled in resisting fear of people because God has supplied us with plenty of ammunition. Amen? 
Now, when we're looking at fear, we saw from Luke 21, and this is where we, we hit our pause button, so this review has been beneficial to get us back to this place. We saw in Luke 21, Jesus talking about some things that will take place in these last days. And one of the things that he said will take place is that men's hearts will fail them because of fear. Men's hearts will fail them because of fear. Verse 26 of Luke 21, men's hearts failing them for fear. Now, again, Whenever you see Jesus teaching about the heart in any other passage, it was always about the spiritual heart of man, the spirit or the heart, not the blood pump, the natural physical organ in your body. And so if a person only looks at this from a natural perspective and says people are going to have physical heart attacks because of fear, they are missing a greater understanding that, that we should see in this. Because the most important thing, according to the book of Proverbs, is to guard your heart with all diligence. Because out of your heart flows the issues, the forces, or you could say the strength of your life. The stronger you are spiritually, the easier it is to deal with any difficult thing. What's hard is when you try to deal with difficult things and you're spiritually low in your tank. Your spiritual strength is on low and then you're trying to deal with natural situations and difficult situations in your life. That's why we've got to maintain fullness. That's what the New Testament tells us. It says, be being filled. We've got to maintain an overflow status. That we, we're not just at half tank. We're not at quarter tank. But we just top it off every day. Just live topped off. Amen? Because we want to maintain that fullness because out of that fullness is how I'm living. Every day is the faith day. Every day's a faith day. You're going to use your faith every day. You use your faith on, on things you don't even realize that you're using your faith on. So that, that means we've got to maintain our spiritual supply, our spiritual strength. One of the things that Jesus is identifying here then, when he says that men's hearts or men's spiritual ability to believe will fail them. Why? Because of fear. Fear is going to drain the spiritual supply, drain the strength out. Fear cancels out faith. If a person is trying to build their faith, but then they allow the operation of fear in their heart, then it negates, it deletes it evaporates the faith. Faith is not, you're not going to be strong in faith thinking thoughts of fear. Allowing fear to have place is allowing the, it to, to dissipate or drive out the, the faith in your heart. Fear 
is something we need to be against like we would be against something that is, is, is openly sinful. If we, we would say, well, I would never, I would never fornicate. I'd never, I'd never uh, 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 lie. I would never just, what, we know those are open sins. Fear is something that God has given us enough instruction. Fear not. Fear not, I am with you. Fear not, be thou not afraid. I am your God. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. There is no need to fear if we know God. If God is on my side, so why would I fear? Right? If the Lord is my helper, who will I fear? Do you see that trust? The trust is what just dissipates the fear. If I'll just put my attention... Now, here's, here's the key. Don't focus on, oh, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. That's not going to help you. Here's the focus. Trust God. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. No, no, I'm trusting God. When fear comes, answer it with trust. So instead of trying to emphasize don't fear, just emphasize trust God, and by default, you won't fear. If you're busy trusting God, you're not going to be victim to fear. No, I'm not going to fear. I'm going to trust in the Lord. So, but we also see something in this verse that tells us how they came to that point where their heart is failing them. They were looking at the wrong things. It says, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the power of heaven, the powers of heaven shall be shaken. They were looking on things that hadn't even happened yet. It was just their anticipation, and we saw from the Amplified, it says, men swooning away or expiring with fear and dread and apprehension and expectation of the things. Expectation of the things that are coming. Hadn't happened yet. Hadn't happened yet, but just the expectation of it. Just the dread of it. Dread is negative hope. Just like faith gives substance to the things that we hope for, Fear gives substance to the things people dread. If a person dreads an occurrence of something, if they dread something happening, they're looking for it in a negative way. They're expecting it to happen. And they say, well, that happened to my grandfather and my uncles all had that same thing and all these people and they go through. And, and it's this subtle dread that they're expecting it to happen to their body, what happened to their uncles and their father and their grandfather and their great-grandfather. And that dread is, is, is just behind the scenes running. You know, just behind the scenes running. I remember when I was living with my grandparents on the farm, they had a well. They had their, their water from a well. And um, there was a pump that was down in the basement, and it, whenever water was, was, 
with, if there was any kind of a draw on water, that pump would kick on. And, and I could hear that pump whenever, whenever that water was, was coming on. And, and you could just hear it running. You could just hear it running. And that dread just runs in the background. And, and not something that is blatant, not something that is just uh, uh, that you're consciously aware of all the time, but every once in a while, you'll just, you'll recognize it running in the basement. That dread. Yeah, I was, I was expecting that to happen. And then, and then it'll happen, and that's what they'll say. Yeah, I was expecting that to happen. Well, golly. Surprise, surprise, surprise. I wonder why it happened. Because they were drawing on it. That, that fear was giving substance to the dread. Just like faith gives substance to hope, fear gives substance to dread. Now, this is exampled for us in the life of Job. And I want to take a few moments and look at Job. We'll begin in chapter 3 because a lot of people use Job's story in a way that doesn't identify the part that his negative expectation played in what happened to him. And they'll use the story of Job and they'll say, well, you know, Job, Job, he went through and, you know, uh, uh, God allowed him to go through everything that he went through and then God gave him double and they've developed this whole uh, uh, idea and, and teaching and doctrine that, you know, God's going to let you go through all of this difficulty. He's going to put you through all of this just so he can show himself mighty and bring you out. Like God's, I, I heard this statement, uh, God, God likes to wait until uh, it, is, it is the lowest of the low, till you're at your very worst, and then he brings you out so he can get all the glory. I wouldn't do that to my child. Would you do that to one of your children? That's not his character. Sometimes they haven't called on him till it got to the lowest of the low. They didn't trust in God. They didn't turn to him. Sometimes they didn't come to that place where they, 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 they yielded to God and whatever it was that the enemy, the way the enemy got in and caused that, that uh, inroad, they hadn't resolved it. But God is not, he's not a glory seeker in that he's just going to make you, make you wait and suffer it. Just wait until you, you're at the, the, the midnight hour and the worst of your worst before he comes through. Amen. He's faithful. He's good. He's ever-present. Ever-present help. That means he's there in the situation. There, may, there, are, there are deliverances that come that pluck you out. 
And there are deliverances that come that strengthen you to overcome it in the midst of it. You remember I showed you that from the book of Psalms, that that word deliver, there's three different words in the book of Psalms. We look at it in King James and we see deliver. Deliver. Let me just show you. Go over here to Psalm because that is prevalent. That teaching about God putting you through things is a prevalent teaching. It's not for you. You turn that off. You turn that off. And you say, well, I'll just chew out the, the hay and spit out the sticks. Yeah, and you'll find yourself having to cast down some imaginations unnecessarily just because you allowed it because it was emotional, because it was dynamic, and the person preaching it was, and they were spit flying and jumping. Oh, God's got to, yeah. And, and the excitement of it allowed something in that one day you may have to cast down. Ask me how I know. Ask me how I know. I like the delivery. I like that, the personality of that person. I like the dynamic of that message. But then when I found myself facing a difficult situation, that little bit of wrong teaching just stood up in my face. And I thought, no, that's not true about God. And I had to spend unnecessary effort to cast that down so that I could walk in the victory over that situation. Psalm 91, I'm going to give you these, and I don't want to get far off my, but I need you to see. Verse 3, surely he shall deliver you. Verse 14, therefore will I deliver him. Verse 15, I will deliver him and honor him. Three different words. In the original Hebrew language, we use deliver for all of them, but they are different words. The first word from Psalm 91 and verse 3 means to snatch away, to snatch away, deliver, to rescue. So in, in that difficult situation, God may come and just snatch them right out of it. Right out of harm's way. Right out of, of, of the oncoming traffic. Right out of, of the failure. Just, just snatch them right out of it. But then when verse 14, it means to escape, to slip away. He'll cause that person to escape, to slip away. It also means to bring into security. Isn't that what happened when Jesus, they were trying to throw him off the cliff and he just slipped right out of the crowd? And they're like, where did he go? Who was holding on to him? He just escaped it. it was, God didn't come and snatch him up and transfer him to some other place and, and suddenly he's standing on another mountain in another city. No, he just slipped right through it. But then in verse 15, it is a word that means to equip for war, to arm for war. So in that situation, God strengthens that person so that they don't, they don't get snatched out of it. They don't just get delivered out of it or escape out of it, but they stand in it and overcome it. Now, here's why a lot of people think they are insisting on the snatching away kind of victory. 
I don't know why God didn't come through for me. They wanted him to snatch them out. And God was saying, I'm going to strengthen you to overcome. Do you see? And so that it was all deliverance. It was all victory. God gave in each different. But we've got to be willing to stand and trust in God and say, God, if you want to snatch me out of this, I'm good with that. But if you need to strengthen me so that, and equip me for war so that I overcome and stop this from going any further in my family and just put an end to it, I'm good with that too. Hallelujah. So that's why we've got to trust in the Lord. That's what the Psalm 91 is all talking about. I'm trusting in the Lord. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. What do we say about the Lord? He is my refuge and my fortress. I'm trusting in God. And because I'm trusting in Him, He'll snatch me out of trouble. He'll cause me to escape or slip through trouble. And He'll equip me for war so that I become victorious over the trouble. Whatever the case may be, my life is a life of being delivered from the adversity because I trust God. I trust God. Now, here's where Job missed and, and opened a way for the enemy to attack in his life. Let's go to Job 3, and I want you to see what, what he said here in verse 25. He said, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. The thing which I greatly feared. He was highly developed in fear. It wasn't something he feared once. It was a fear he practiced. It was a fear that he allowed to have operation in his thinking and in his believing. He was believing the wrong thing. He was fearing it. And because he was fearing it, like a magnet, fear drew it. Fear, fear, like that in the same operation as faith, gives substance to things we hope for. The fear gave substance to the thing he was dreading. What was he dreading? What was he dreading? He was dreading that his children weren't, were, were going to curse God. Did, let me, before I leave here, let me give you a different translation. The voice translation of this verse says, What I feared most descends on me. My nightmare, now reality. What I feared most. Never be afraid another day in your life. You, you don't have to be afraid of anything. It is possible for you to live without any fear operating in you. The New Living Translation said, What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. The God's Word Translation says, What I fear the most overtakes me. What I dread happens to me. Hallelujah. So now we see, now we see how the enemy got in. He feared. And fear broke down the hedge of protection. Because if, if a person, not you, because you're a faith builder, 
But if a person is dreading, they're expecting. If they're dreading and they're, they're fearing, God is not authorized to change what they have chosen to fear, what they have chosen to dread. He is not authorized to do anything as long as fear is the force in operation. What authorizes God? Faith. Faith authorizes God to move in our situation. Faith authorizes God to help us because we're trusting in Him. Remember, we talked about that root system of trust. So Job, he identified fear as a magnet. What I feared most, the thing I greatly feared has come to me. Now let's back up and look at him in Job 1 and verses 1 through 5. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 uh, donkeys and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of all. For Job said, now did it say, when the days of their feasting, It said everyone his day in verse 4. So there was more than one feasting going on here. When the day of their feasting, this is what Job was doing. And the reason he was doing it is identified in his own words. For Job said, it may be. What did Jesus say in Luke chapter 21? Men's hearts failing them for things that haven't even happened. Just the anticipation of it, just the dread of it, just the the apprehension of it. It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job once, twice, continually. Now we know how he was greatly fearing. He did it continually. Was he... It looks like what he's doing is spiritual, doesn't it? Too many people pray fear-filled prayers. And they're praying, but their prayers aren't full of faith. They're full of fear. Oh, Lord, I don't know what we're going to do. Lord, I don't know how you're going to save them. Lord, it's so bad. Lord, and and they're, they're not connecting to help because what they're praying is causing more fear. They're praying the problem. Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, pray the desired result. Pray the answer. Pray the answer. Why? Because 
It is possible to do something that appears spiritual. It's a spiritual activity, but be using the wrong spiritual force in the activity. So that fear, do you remember? Okay, okay, pastor, when he wrote the book, Refusing the Care, he, he said in the book, he said, I was out on the balcony praying about one of the children. I was out there praying. And he said, as I was praying, the Lord interrupted me. And the Lord said, Philip, why is your face all scrunched up? Can you, can you imagine the kind of prayer that was coming out with that kind of, you know, that face? His face was all scrunched up. And the Lord said, why is your face all scrunched up? And he admitted to the Lord. He realized how he was so anxious, how he was so frustrated. There wasn't faith in his praying. There was worry in his praying. And that's when the Lord told him that worry props the door open for the enemy to bring in all kinds of other evil things. And he used the scripture from the parable of the sower that the, the worry, the cares of this life choke out the word. And so we want to recognize, even if it's a spiritual activity, that I want to bring faith in that conversation that I'm having with God and, and trust in my words. I want my words to be, be revealing the trust that I have in God and not revealing how big I think the problem is. I mean, think about how Jehoshaphat prayed when he was surrounded in 1 Chronicles, surrounded, or 2 Chronicles 20, was it? He was surrounded by the enemy. And so he calls everybody together and he says, we're going to fast and pray. And he begins to, be, to pray and he says, God, you are so amazing. And he begins to talk about how awesome God is, how strong and how mighty God is. And then he comes down to the covenant. He says, you said if we ever find ourselves in a situation that we can call upon you and you'll hear us. Amen. Hadn't even talked about the enemy yet. He spent that whole prayer. And then at the very last, he mentions the enemy. But by then, he's already strong in faith, just talking about and extolling God, just rehearsing the greatness of God, the ability of God, what God's already done for his ancestors, what God's already done to bring them into this land and to give them this land. Amen? And that's an example for us, but that's not what Job was doing. Job was saying continually, it may be. So I'm doing something out of fear of something that I don't even know has happened. Have mercy. And then verse 10. I'll begin in 9. Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him? And about his house and about all that he has on every side? That thrills me. 
Satan had been looking and couldn't find a way in. He had been looking, he had been searching, and God had a hedge. And we have a better testament. We have a better covenant than Job had. We've got a blood covering of Jesus' blood. How much more do we have a hedge about our house and about all that we have on every side? How much more do we have a hedge? And you've blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. So in verse 12, God said, Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. It didn't say, I give you. God didn't say, I give you. God didn't give it. How did it get in his power? Fear opened the door. Satan wasn't even fully aware of it, but God is just. God is just. What he has is in your power, but you can't kill him. And it didn't stay in his power very long either. They say, theologians say, this was a nine-month period, nine-month to a year period where, where the enemy was doing this. And, and I want you to recognize what he lost. God restored double what he had lost. Why? Because the blessing never stopped. It was just hindered from entering his life. And when he put himself back in line... By praying for his friends, he said some things that were wrong. And, and, and God said in that confrontation in chapter 42, were you there? Did you see this? Did you, were you there when I measured the waters of the world in the palm of my hand? Were you there? He, he, he confronted him and he said, Lord, I've said some things I didn't know about. I've talked foolishly. And so he repented, he prayed for his friends, and when he got back in a position, the blessing that had been accumulating See, it had been hindered from coming in. But when he was back in a position for it to flow unhindered, it came in and not only restored him, but gave him double. Because God's restoration always exceeds the original condition. Hallelujah. You and I can learn from Job's mistake and never make it. We never have to allow that hedge of the protection of God to be broken down by fear. We can practice living a fear-free life. And we can become skilled and disciplined in maintaining ourselves in a place of trusting God. Now, I want you to look at verse 26 of chapter 3. Go back to chapter 3. He said, I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. 
That's an indication for us. That's an indication. What was he? he said, I was not in safety, neither did I have rest, neither was I quiet. Well, we know there was a hedge around him, so this was his, his peace. He did not have his heart in a position or a condition of peace. It's not what's going on in your life. It's what's going on in your heart. We've seen enough scriptures just tonight that it can be going, there can be things happening all around you, but that doesn't have to affect how you respond. It doesn't have to get in you. You can have a a peace in you regardless of the circumstance. You can be... You can be unmoved by the evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. He shall not fear an evil tiding. How do we do that? We've got to become focused on God and not allow anything to violate our peace. Look at Philippians 4.11. It says... Neither, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He said, I have learned, I've learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. Can I see the amplified? Philippians 4.11. Hallelujah. Not that I am implying that I was in any personal want, for I have learned how to be content, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or disquieted. Your life needs to have that characteristic. I do not allow things to disquiet me. I am not perturbed. I'm not easily easily set over into that place of hysteria. Amen? I'm just not going to respond that way. I'm just, I'm going to maintain my cool. Wherever, whatever state I'm in, I am not disturbed. I am not disquieted. I have to learn that. I have to learn that. I have to practice that. When an evil tiding comes, I have to practice maintaining my peace. I don't lay down my peace to pick up that worry. I don't lay down my peace to pick up that difficulty. It can be a difficult situation and I can walk through it peacefully. There can be situations that need my attention. They need to be addressed, but I'm going to address them with peace. I'm going to handle this with trust. Hallelujah. Then we also have Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God will keep us in perfect peace. It's not something that we've got to just emotionally try to knuckle through it. 
and just try to, just try to you know, tough our way through it. No, we're, we're relying on spiritual forces. We're relying on the peace of God that's available to us. But we're realizing if I don't rely on that, my alternative is to move over into my emotions and they're not stable right now. They are not going to see me through safely into the plan and to the, the, the response that God would have me make because they're being moved by the situation. So I'm not going to let my emotions dictate my response. I'm going to turn to my inner man, my born-again me, the, the part of me that is alive unto God, and I'm going to draw out of my spirit, out of my heart, the help of God to respond to this situation with peace, with confidence. Every parent, this is the key. Because our kids need us to respond out of our spirit. When, especially as they're growing up, as they become adults and they're dealing with situations that you can't fix anymore. You can't fix it, but you know who can. We've got to maintain that spiritual response to the situation because that's what's going to set the course. If we respond out of, of despair or out of, I don't know what we're going to do. If we respond out of that hysteria, then the whole atmosphere goes into unrest. The whole atmosphere goes into uh, an uh, insecure, insecurity for everybody. Hallelujah. That's why, you know what? Whatever it is, God's going to help us. Whatever we need, God's going to help us. He's going to show us. He's going to show us. God's going to give us the insight we need into this situation. Hallelujah. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. The Amplified says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. I mean, that is, that's, that's tight, but it's right. Doesn't leave you a whole lot of room to, to wiggle. No wiggle room there, is it? Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Is that possible? The power to do it's right there. Just pull that scripture out, put it in your mouth, put it in your heart, and it will produce the power to override anxiety. You don't have to push through it in your own strength. Use the scripture. There's power in that scripture for you to overcome anxiety. Hallelujah. What do we do? What do we do in that situation? What do we do when, when, when the adversity comes, when the evil tithing comes? In every circumstance, I'm in the Amplified still, in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, Definite requests 
with thanksgiving. So a prayer that is with thanksgiving is a prayer that I believe I've received. Because I'm saying thank you to my request. Father, I make a petition for your wisdom. Father, I make a petition for you to move in this situation with your help. I make a petition, Father, for, for healing to flow into this part of, of my body. I, I make whatever the petition may be. And then what? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That, that's, I receive it. I have it. Thank you, Lord. So by prayer, that's the way we, we respond. Anxiety won't fix anything. Anxiety won't help anything. Jesus said, who of you by worrying can, can add one cubit, one, one little tiny inch to your stature? Worrying's not going to fix it. Anxiety's not going to fix it. But you know what will fix it? Trusting God. Trusting God. So regardless of what happens, this is our response. I'm going to trust God. We're going to, remember what, uh, our word for trust I'm going to depend on God. I'm going to rely on God. My dependence is on Him. He's the one who's going to show me. He's the one who's going to, He might use a doctor to help me, praise God. Might use whatever, uh, uh, a person on my job, whatever. But my trust is not in that person, my trust is in Him. Hallelujah. So by prayer and petition, definite request with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Not your needs, your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours. God's peace. God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so, fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace shall garrison and mount a guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I need that guard. That's a supernatural guard over my heart and my mind. Where does it start? Do not fret. Be careful for nothing. So who's initiating this peace? We are responsible to refuse the care and to make our petition known to God with thanksgiving and that peace will come in. And, and set up a protection, a security detail over my mind. What was Job missing? He said, I didn't have any peace. I wasn't quiet. So what, what that shows me is those thoughts came and he yielded to the anxiety of it. He fretted about it. He worried about it. And he said, it might be that my children cursed God. It might be. So it got so full in his heart that it came out of his mouth. It might be. 
And then he began doing spiritual activity with the wrong force in place. But not you. Not you. Hallelujah. We'll end with Psalm 118. Never a worry. Never a worry. Say it out of your mouth. Never a worry. I'm trusting in God. Psalm 118. Let's look at verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord is on my side. That's the knowledge that your heart needs. That's the, your heart needs to be fixed on that. That is the key to trusting God. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. And so build it into your heart. Build the faith of it and then say it out of your mouth. I will not fear. You've got to start practicing the resisting of fear. It is something that requires skill. And you don't want to wait until a major situation arises for you to try to employ this fear resistance shield. No, you want to go ahead and have your heart developed in trust. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Hallelujah. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Father, we thank you for your presence in our life, that you bring things to us in advance so that we can put them into practice and that we can gain skill in those areas so that we become developed, rooted and grounded, planted in the house of the Lord, planted in your word and in your presence and in your your plan for our lives. Lord, let this truth be a reality in the lives of every hearer and let it be something that we put into a daily practice that we do not fear what other people fear because we trust you. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet and say this out of your mouth. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I do not lean to my own understanding. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.